Welcome to Very Amusing, your one-stop shop for the stories, secrets, and shenanigans of a popcorn-fueled theme park journalist. I'm Carly Weisel, and as you can tell, I did not learn my lesson from last week. I still have not gotten my allergy medication because, and this is somewhat not an exaggeration, I am too busy obsessing over the 1964-65 New York World's Fair. I don't know. I don't know why this is happening now. I mean, truly what else to preoccupy oneself with in this never-ending quarantine than discovering a treasure trove of new things on eBay? But it's an obsession that has foisted itself upon me much more quickly than I anticipated. Last week, I was probably 30 minutes into a documentary about the World's Fair, and all of a sudden, I had a full eBay account set up with alerts for rain bonnets, literally for disposable sheets of plastic that people wore to cover their hair at a temporary event in the 60s. This is what my work inbox is filled with right now. It's a bit much, but... It's the only thing I can think about as of late. The strange part is that Disney fandom is kind of like a zero-entry pool. You show up and you get really into it, and then all of a sudden it fully consumes your body. But learning about the attractions that came out of that World's Fair, like It's a Small World and Carousel of Progress, are basically the splash zone. That's some entry-level stuff. But it's nice, it's really nice to to be this far into Disney fandom and still be learning more about something so historical. And I gotta say, it's, it's nice to jump further back in time when the future seems increasingly bleak. Now, to change gears a bit, if you're not aware, I have a private Facebook group that's basically an all-day party thread with me and a few thousand of my closest Starbucks-obsessed, Disney-focused internet friends. And I signed on just before recording this to take a little break, just to hang out with my pals before I got to work, and discovered that a lot of them love Olu, and they don't like popcorn. (laughs) I feel traumatized. I need to truly deal with this offline, but it has thrown me for a loop and is just added to the wildness of the past week. Now, if you want to join, send a request. We would love to have you, but please know that this popcorn discourse is not something that I co-sign. You know how I feel about it. You know how I feel about Olu. And if they feel differently, they can express those opinions, but those opinions are wrong. Anyway, today's episode, whew, is a doozy. It is not what you're expecting, not at all. But the bottom line is, we got Stacy, y'all. Stacy! Must do Disney Stacy! Top 7 must sees Stacy! Lives inside your Walt Disney World hotel room TV screen, Stacy! Now, I have to be honest with you because I still can't believe I kept this episode a secret. But I've interviewed, it must be hundreds of people in my life. And I don't want to flex, but at a certain point in time, interviewing celebrities was my actual job. And I was more nervous to talk to Stacy. It's Stacy! She's just it. Guys, there's no Walt Disney World without Stacy. She's more important to a Disney vacation than Minnie Mouse, honestly. She's been hosting the programming inside Disney hotel rooms for 15 years. She's an irreplaceable attraction. She's like the monorail. Without it, what are we even doing here? Anyway, she to me is the main reason to stay on property. And I cannot believe I got to talk to her, not just in general about what it's like to shoot that series, but also through the lens of a story I still can't believe is true. We'll dive into that shortly, but for now, let's take a break with some news. We'll keep 
news short and sweet this week, but Disney has really got me sweating Halloween. Even as someone who went to the parks during the pandemic and found it to really not align with the freewheeling way I like to visit, I am tempted by what they're doing at Magic Kingdom. Since Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party dates are canceled for the entirety of 2020, Disney just took like half the event and are offering it for free during the day every single day from September 15th through October 31st. There's seasonal food and merchandise, some special entertainment, but most importantly, you can wear your costume all day to the park. All day! I've been half joking on Twitter about buying this bonkers Oogie Boogie costume they sell on Shop Disney, but man, if I was local, I'd be flopping around in that burlap sack every single day. Speaking of, rumors are swirling that Disneyland will be opening soonish, but I'm not going to buy into that. I am keeping my mouth shut until an opening date is official. In the meantime, if you missed the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge trading outpost that debuted at Target stores this past Sunday, or if you went to the store and everything was already gone, grab your phone and jot down the date November 28th. That's 90 days from when everything originally went on sale. So if those eBay criminals don't offload all of their products by then, well, there's a good chance some of it will be returned to the stores. This podcast comes out on Wednesdays, which makes news from last Thursday or Friday seem 400 years old. But I'm not going to not talk about Katie Dippold writing a new Haunted Mansion movie. Poor went out for the Guillermo del Toro version fans have dreamt of for so long. But personally, I cannot wait to see what she comes up with. For those unfamiliar, Katie wrote The Heat, she wrote Ghostbusters, she spent a few years on Parks and Rec. So while I love his work, I am beyond thrilled to see what she makes. I still have to check out the Class Action Park documentary on HBO about New Jersey's most questionable park, but I'm also hearing that Defunct Land's doc on Action Park is as good, if not better. Which brings me, of course, to Halix. This documentary, y'all, if you haven't seen it, it is required viewing for a Disney fan. It's a collaboration between Defunct Land and director Matthew Serrano, and it's almost too good to be true. It's about a vaguely Star Wars-inspired rock band that played at Tomorrowland for a single summer that no one has written about or talked about since. Until they put out this entire documentary about the band, I didn't know they exist, and neither did many other theme park reporters. This thing flew so far under the radar for so long, it's hard to believe it actually happened. But the proof is in the pudding, the pudding being the movie. I don't want to spoil a thing, so just don't snooze on this. Trust me. It's so, I want to spoil it. It's so good, but I won't. You can find it on Defunct Land's YouTube channel, and there's also a pre order for merch, which you know I'm going to get my hands on. Stick around. This week's story is right after this. Okay, you know that feeling that everyone knows something that you don't? For me, that used to be Quince, but no more. Quince is a truly astounding retailer, essentially carrying everything a person on your mood board would wear. We're talking washable silk blouses, chic leather bags, 14 karat gold jewelry, European linen dresses, and the best part of all is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They're out here with $50 Mongolian cashmere sweaters. $50! Beautiful, timeless items you can wear and actually live in. Meaning, 
You don't have to be scared to bring them on your theme park travels. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And if you're sensitive to retailers like I am, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. But it's not just your everyday work-life clothes. They have everything. I recently joined a new gym, big deal for me, and desperately needed new workout clothes to wear there. It's kind of like an LA gym. Like, it kind of got to look cute. So I ordered a pair of their ultra-form bike shorts and high-rise pocket leggings. And when I tell you, the quality of these leggings is truly on par with brands I paid three times as much for, which really kind of makes me love these three times more. I'm not only going to buy them again, but actually buy the other travel stuff in my cart because they have things like beautiful pastel suitcases for 129 bucks and these wildly affordable compression packing cubes that I have been waiting forever to buy compression packing cubes and they're always so pricey and here the price fits. So if you want to get ready for work, your new gym, travel, anything in your life, go to Quince. Quince.com slash amusing will get you free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Ooh, that's nice for someone who puts stuff off like I do. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash amusing to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash amusing. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Disney fans remember the big new attraction that opened in 2018. No, not Toy Story Land or Pixar Pier, but the largest collection of theme park memorabilia you or I have ever seen, housed within an abandoned sports authority in Sherman Oaks, California. That's from Disneyland, an exhibition-turned-auction, was a dream for collectors, but too good to be true for us looky-loos as well. Here, you could see Disneyland trash cans in the wild, pose beside a wall of Small World dolls, or stand in front of authentic Haunted Mansion stretching room posters, complete with a gravestone and prop rose on hand to solidify that perfect Instagram photo. The collection itself, owned by Hollywood music agent Richard Kraft and his son, film and TV producer Nikki Kraft, made for a historic temporary playground for Disney fans. Comprised of over 900 items from ride vehicles and a Disneyland keel boat to maps, artwork, and a now iconic Snow White statuette melted by the heat of a storage unit, the free month-long exhibition spurred lines down the block, totaling tens of thousands of excited visitors passing through its doors. It allowed many Disney diehards to see things they've never seen before, hadn't been able to witness up close, or held tightly within their childhood memories. When the contents of That's from Disneyland were sold off one by one at auction, the response was overwhelming, bringing in over $8 million, of which a portion was donated to charities benefiting Coffin-Cyrus syndrome. Big ticket items even made their way into the hands of celebrities, with a massive red Disneyland Hotel D being offloaded to magician David Copperfield, and a $483,000 Dumbo ride vehicle that was apparently purchased by Drew Carey. 
Now, if that seemed like one heck of a collection, well, you've never seen the house Richard Kraft stored some of it in. I have, because 15 years ago, the Crafts made a film about it. That documentary, Finding Craftland, was a glance at their lives through the lens of the collections that filled their namesake property, complete with ride vehicles in the living room and a submarine voyage sea serpent by the pool. That hour-long film essentially served as a tour through their warehouse-like home, starring the father-son duo and hosted by, well, a familiar voice for anyone who's ever vacationed at Walt Disney World. Hey there, I'm your host, Stacy, and I'm here to take you on a tour of the top 10 attractions at one of the wildest, craziest, most over-the-top homes this side of Xanadu. To kick off our countdown, we're going to find out exactly who lives at Craftland. If you ever want to hang out with some of your favorite pop culture peeps, this is definitely the place to be. Oh yeah, that's Stacy J. Aswad, our patron saint of in-room resort TV programming, who low-key hosted this house tour biopic over a decade before their collection became public knowledge. Finding Craftland is essentially a trip through one man's Smithsonian, and your docent just happens to be the most famous woman in Disney Parks lore. Now, it's not typical for Stacy to host a father and son's home movie, but Richard and Nikki are not your typical father and son. The film chronicles all aspects of their lives, including Richard's collections, Nikki's childhood upbringing, and painfully cute father and son moments, all while not shying away from hardships, like the painful loss of Richard's brother to a long battle with Crohn's disease. The film also has heavy hitters, who happen to be Richard's clients, delightfully razzing him on camera. Alan Menken shares how he would never in his life hire a crew to make a film about him, while Danny Elfman jokes about Richard's suffering from adolescencia within a countdown that highlights the endless record collections and toy collections and film memorabilia collections and board game collections and James Bond collections housed at the former Craftland. There's even a segment where Mark Shaman, composer of Hairspray, The First Wives Club, Sleepless in Seattle, Mary Poppin Returns, unfathomably sings a parody song about Richard, his agent. When a conflict comes my way, I tell my agent what to say. My schedule won't permit, but still, if it sounds like a hit, he laughs at my duress, then turns around and always answers yes. Though it's clear I'm blank and spent, he's thinking of his 10%, so though I'm on my knees, he turns a deaf ear to my pleas. My marriage is a mess, but still my agent always answers yes. I complain, the schedule is inane. The blood has left my brain. Sandy DeCrescent thinks we're both insane. And boy, she's right, cause I've been up all night humming with all my might <laughs> a score that sounds just like the one before but as i finish the last chord the preview cards come back they're bored so they postpone the scoring maybe three weeks maybe four i look up from the floor and hear my agent telling someone yes he's free and by the way i've raised this fee oh god i've barely time to pee i guess it's a success yes Finding Craftland debuted at a joint birthday party on the Paramount lot, more on that soon, and wound up being accepted to 80 film festivals. Yes, Richard had it submitted to every single one that exists, but making it into 80? Not bad. 
They went on to travel to the screenings, sometimes with Stacy, sometimes not, marking the second ever globetrotting trip for this father and son duo, who, at the time of filming, had completed another worldwide escapade in their multi-year attempt to ride every roller coaster on planet Earth. Now, though, Finding Craftland is somewhat lost to time, a birthday party slideshow with a blown-out budget that only friends, family, and those in the know have had the opportunity to watch. I myself only heard of it because I made a casual reference to that woman who hosts Disney World's TV show, to which Nikki responded, Oh, Stacy, have I got a story for you. That's just what these two are like. Energetic, excited, connected, and very involved. To serve my utter fascination about all of this, I was able to get the three of them on the phone to rehash their memories of making the film, deep dive into what it's really like for Stacy to shoot those Disney World Resort videos, and how 15 years later, they're all still friends. Nikki, Richard, Stacey, it's wonderful to have you here. I just need to know everything. I got to know how this documentary started, and then we will go from there. You have to go all the way back to 2005, I want to say, when um, my dad and I were in Disney World with 20 of our closest friends for, it was a buddies trip, which are its own separate podcast conversation. But we were at... I don't know what hotel and Disney property we were at, but I know that every morning this group of 20 people would gather around breakfast before heading out into the park and debate, do we love this woman, Stacy, who's always on our television or is she driving us crazy? Because no matter where you are on the Disney world property, when you turn on the TV, there is Stacy doing the top 10 attractions at Disney world. And it became the obsession of this trip. And uh, on the way home, I said to my dad, we should do like a spoof top 10 attractions at Craftland, our house, um, sort of in the style of MTV Cribs, sort of in the style of the top 10 attractions at Disney World. And then I jokingly said, hey, we should track down Stacy and get her to host it. And the reason he would say something like that <laughs> is because the way Nikki was brought up, like when we would go to Disneyland, it was like a shopping spree. We'd point to various items we wanted, and then I would go like a hunter and gatherer and get audio animatronic figures and attraction posters and various artifacts of the park. So he grew up in a house that was completely curated with found items from Disneyland. And we realized Stacy would be like the ultimate found item representing Disney theme parks. So it made complete and utter sense to put her on our checklist of things to do. So during this morning breakfast ritual of debating the pros and cons of Stacy, and by the way, different answers every morning. Every I morning. Stacy, yeah. the impact of Stacy is greatly dependent on how your night went the night before. <laughs> <laughs> and either it's like, oh my God, this is the most delightful ending of an evening or turn that volume down. So our morning ritual was debating our love or hate of Stacy, And which when you have strong emotions, it's two sides of the same coin. And so um, Nikki's 16th birthday was approaching. And the idea was 
let's do a crazy themed birthday party like we do every year. And the theme would be movie premiere. And we needed a movie to premiere. So we decided to make Finding Craftland. And so the first step was to stalk Stacy. And one of the things I learned in life, everybody is 10 digits away. There's all, to find anybody, all you need is the area code and seven numbers. So I figured if she was professional enough to be in a Disney produced property, she probably has an agent. So the search went on to find Stacy's agent and did so. And I, I think I wrote a letter, made a call and followed up with a letter where <laughs> I tried to strike a balance of enthusiastic fan and don't get a restraining order. So it's challenging. And so Stacy, from your perspective, what did your agent explain to you? Well, I was living in Charlotte, North Carolina at the time. And she said to me, and this was like in May 5th of 2005, 5505 is when top seven must-sees first went wild. And so uh, this was like summer of 05. And so my agent calls, she says, so this man seems legit. He called, he sent a letter with many reviews and journalistic publications of his collection. She's like, I'm thinking he's legitimizing that he actually is something doing something somewhere. And so she said he would like to speak with you uh, over the phone. He's in LA and he'd like to talk to you about doing a countdown kind of show about his massive Disney collection. Um, and she kind of gave me the backstory as Richards explained about the, you know, going to Disney, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, you know, my motto is leap in the net will appear or you crash and burn, whatever. At least you flew for a second, right? So I'm like, oh, come on. He's 3,000 miles away. It's, he's not like he's at my door. Ding dong. So <laughs> I called him and I remember just the minute I heard him go, you know, hi, like he had known me forever. And we had the loveliest conversation. And I was like, you know what? Why not? I'll drop breadcrumbs. I'll let everyone know where I am at all times. <laughs> What's the worst thing that could happen? Well, the worst thing that could happen is within about three minutes of our conversation, you did slip in. By the way, you know I'm not a child. <laughs> uh, I thought that was a rather strange comment. Uh, was there a particular reason you thought to mention that? Well, I mean, I'm kind of pint-sized, so I think, you know, people sort of think that I'm little and little and so i just wanted to be sure that you know you knew that i was of legal consent and i had means to protect myself no we spoke and i was like uh okay sure and i was thinking you know i like two, my two best friends from new york are in la this will be a great chance to see them and even if it's some dude and his kid and it's just like this home movie i'm like oh you know they're sweet and i love the whole disney thing and the whole culture so i'm like this will just be fun <laughs> so turn, you know. oh my gosh and so it just literally so they flew me out they put me up at the w in westwood which classy. I put you up at the W. Yes. But I called it the pottery barn catalog come to life. <laughs> and 
And I literally, every time I would, cause I was there so little, cause we filmed for so many hours. I literally put my stuff there. And every time I, they, the front desk would see me, they would go, is everything okay in your room? Like you have what you need. Cause I literally, I think I slept in the bed four hours uh, over the four days. So I was like, oh yeah, everything's fine. I literally dropped my stuff. And then I came back to pick my stuff up to leave. I was barely there. So, but, but it was remember, great. I remember you showed up with a suitcase of many, many, many outfits. Well, and yes. one pair of roller skates. Yes, I had my roller skates because you said we need a lot of outfit changes. So I, I'm very thorough. This is where my Virgo thrives. So I'm like, I'm bringing every possible thing they could. I brought cheerleader pom-poms. I bought everything that they could possibly ask me for. And we ended up doing what, like 20 outfit changes. There was a hair and makeup artist from E there. And Richard was so cute because he would sit there. I was in the master bath at Craftland, at the original Craftland. And he would come and sit next to me and talk to me while they were doing my hair and makeup and all the different changes. And so it was so cool because I feel like we really got to know each other. Um, that's, I feel like where the friendship happened. I mean, well, remember we did go to the Hollywood bowl the night before. Remember you we did, it was John Williams. Wasn't it John Williams? Yes. So yes. I got you with the W makeup from the E artist and John Williams. I know what? a garden, a garden box. So I, Remember the night before we went to the Hollywood Bowl and it was really nice just to have the three of us get to know each other a bit. And then we started filming and then, I mean, I showed up and there was production assistants, there was craft service, a copious amounts of candy for craft yeah. service, a little bit of real food, but lots of, lots of candy. And then, you know, we met the, the filmmaker, Adam Shell, and it was just like, I mean, it was just, so, I mean, because again, I had never been to Disney World until I got the you gig hosting. No, what? I'd never oh, been, to ever been to Disney World before you became Miss Disney World. But you're our fearless leader. Or land. I had never been. When I booked the Disney World gig, that when I showed up, the first shot we did was in World Showcase. That was the very first time I had ever been in Disney World. It was very exciting. That's insane. Wow. And which pavilion were you in? We were right there. Uh, we were right by um, Italy. So the gelato guy. Remember the gelato guy? Yummy, yummy, yummy. <laughs> <laughs> your first taste of a Disney theme park was you thought it was gelato in a place that looks like Italy? <laughs> no. Well, that was our, we started filming there. And then there was the, um, the there was a whole character. We were doing the whole, this whole character. It was all with a bunch of different characters. That was like the first shot, like at sunrise. But I remember standing there looking out over the lake going, oh my gosh, like this is really cool. And I had never been, a, I, that was my first hosting gig, like straight to camera hosting gig. It was a lot of firsts for me. So it was really exciting. And I mean, every time I go back, it, there's always some kind of cool first that happens, but yeah, that was my first time and 15 and a half years later, I'm still there. And what's insane is they use footage from 15 and a half years ago, intercut with current footage, and you're like the Dorian Gray of Epcot. There's like, you do not age even remotely. You still have to tell people that you're not an adult. Underage. Yeah. <laughs> Every time she flies across the country to a stranger's house. She has to remind them she's not a child. I'm not an unaccompanied minor. I am big. <laughs> I am big.
Uh, and, and what was insane was, because all the rest was so normal, we did have a crew of 18 people. And this was only for a movie to show at our birthday party. Nikki was turning 16. And you were turning 45. It, yes. And it was, and our birthdays are a day apart. He's March 2nd on March 1st. And so this was like an over, to say overproduced <laughs> birthday party movie. It's like the ultimate like bar mitzvah film. Like look at our little boy, you know, yes. kept with uh, a host, a few and, dozen and, composers, and, a few Imagineers, a few Disney legends. I still can't believe that Stacy just flew into this madness and was just like game to be part of this family for a few days. Was- I knew they were my people. I knew it from the time I talked to Richard and I'm like, cause I have a big, wild, fun, crazy family. And I'm like, you know what? I admire and respect people that, that have passion and purpose and they just roll with it. So I was like, why not? And my family was like, that's so cool. Okay. I mean, it was just, it was like everything about it was just spot on. There was so much cut out of the movie. We had playbills thrown on you, uh, first edition comic books tossed on you, like the roses in American Beauty. We had, yes. um, yeah, just, just like that. It's just getting very into the weeds for a film that no one has ever seen and <laughs> oh, no yes. one can see. It, it, yes. It, it, we are talking about a movie that is not available for viewership. That's what makes this so bonkers is that Stacy's in here hosting a house movie and no one can see it. Well, it did. So the, the end to the Finding Crafting story was just the beginning because as the birthday yeah. party ended and uh, at this point it had ballooned to, to be uh, the premieres at the Paramount Studios backlot yes. where we invited all 750 of our closest friends and family. Mm. And so people who were at the party who didn't know us at all, they were just, you know, a guest of a friend, were like, I love this movie. People kept saying that. They're like, I'd love, I'd love to show this movie to people. You should submit it to film festivals. And we thought it was so weird that our bizarro home movie was appealing to strangers. And so it will surprise you to know that Richard submitted to every single film festival in the world <laughs> that had a documentary category. And... Um, it got into about 80. Our first one was the Santa Barbara Film Festival, mm-hmm. which is really prestigious. And I remember going out and it was a sold out audience. And I remember looking at the audience like, why are you here? <laughs> you don't know me. You don't know Nikki. And then the movie's playing really well. And about 20 minutes before the ending, the fire alarm went off in the theater and no one left. And Nikki... <laughs> leaned into me goes, they'd rather be burned to a fiery crisp than miss the ending of Finding Craftland. The commitment, which for Richard and Nikki both is something I respect and admire about each of them, is their commitment to whether you, you agree with it or you think it's ludicrous or you think it's amazing, they do not phone anything in. And I, to this day, I mean, I, I mean, first of all, it brought me into the Disney happened and then brought them into my life but me coming to LA uh two weeks after moving here I meet the love of my life who incidentally has the same birthday as Richard um I did not know that yes you and Chuck have the same birthday Aww. and you know so it's like there's so much I just so many beautiful people as an extension because it's like Richard's sort of like a human orchestra conductor he brings people <laughs> together 
and they're like a degree or two of separation. And then all of a sudden they just sort of find a way to make beautiful music together. And you have this symphonic life soundtrack that's just so layered and interesting. And so, so many people that I love to this day, a part, you know, in addition to them is because of this overproduced home movie. So I, I, I tell them as much as I can, I thank him and appreciate him for the life trajectory shift that I took because this was a huge catalyst for a lot of it. It was really the first time that I kind of looked at the collection as, oh, this is a collection versus this is home decor. And <laughs> so, um, so sort of the ultimate follow-up to this was when Nikki and I put together That's from Disneyland, mm. where I got to get rid of all this crap. So like Craftland. Yeah, the, the distance between finding Craftland, where these are cherished possessions, and that's from Disneyland, where it's like, get out of my life, was quite a journey. I think the heart of what it represented, the collection to Richard and his family and his brother and his parents and, you know, how that, that when that thread of sort of, of the heart and the meaning came in, I think that's, I think that was a really beautiful way to um, add a different flavor onto the indulgence over the top thing, because you realize like, this is, it, it's really about love, love of people, love of family, love of objects. Um, but I think the important thing that objects can represent for people. Um, but it was really cool to go to the gallery and see all of it together because it had been a while since I had seen Dumbo and everybody. And um, Dumbo the birth of May, oh yeah. It was interesting having all the stuff at the, that's from Disneyland exhibit, what elicited deep emotional responses from people. And, and one of them was we had a collection of the souvenir maps of the park and they were in order of year and people would go, oh, my first trip to Disneyland was in 1974 and they'd find the map and it was so personal to them that that was their Disneyland. Mm. Um, and I don't think anyone had an emotional response for the keel rocket boat. rod or the rocket <laughs> rod. No, I think I met someone who liked the rocket rod. I loved the rocket rod because I had never been on it and I've only heard of it in lore because I'm not from the West Coast. So that was the only time I'd seen it. Did it meet, exceed, or, or fall way below your expectation? It met my expectations. The melting Snow White exceeded every expectation. Every expectation. Oh my God. I... You know, I was going to bid on her because I so regretted putting her up for auction. And then I thought this is tacky to be bidding on my own stuff. But I do know who got it. And it may be the one piece I will work on getting, getting back. back. I was going to ask you, do you, Nikki, do you or Richard miss anything? Or is there anything you're like, ah, oh, I would have, maybe, maybe I would, if I had a chance to get it back, I would take it back. Well, I'll tell you, Caroline, my wife, who the first time I, I brought her to the house when we just started dating was silent throughout the whole tour of the house. And finally I said, are you okay? Most people are very excited about this. She said, um, well, I hate Disneyland and find it to be incredibly creepy. I'm like, Oh, so you wow. uh, started dating a guy uh, who you now think is a serial killer. She goes, yeah, exactly. Cut to the exhibit when 
when I brought her before we opened, she had never seen all the artwork. She was like, I thought the collection was just big plastic objects and old food containers. She goes, most of this artwork is beautiful. Mm. Now that we're renovating and decorating our new home, she's like, you know, some of that stuff may have looked nice in here. And my wife, the thing she wishes I had kept, I had some conceptual drawings for an unbuilt section of Disneyland called Anything Can Happen Land, which was a playground, but she loves the notion of a place called Anything Can Happen Land. Mm. And, and fortunately, I have photos of the artwork, and we're talking about building some of those playground things for my daughter to play on and have our own Anything Can Happen Land. And there's a fine line between a collectible that of something that was never meant to be collected. Like I don't, pins are meant to be collected. So I never got into pins. Trash cans on the other hand. <laughs> exactly, except for there are pins of the trash cans. And the giant sea serpent by your pool. Now yeah. that's, yeah. yeah. Yes. Who? I, I had a moment when I saw I had a little twinge when I saw the little serpent. I was like, aw. I like how you refer to a 40-foot piece of metal and latex as little. Yeah. He was baking out in the sun in Encino. Mm -hmm. He was in such bad shape when the auction came up. And I had to get him restored, not because I thought it would bring in a higher price. I had to have him restored because I was embarrassed. It's like I, I was the custodian of the sea serpent, and I let him crack like a... It, it was like an aging star in Hollywood and it was just really, really hideous. Truly. Nikki, will you back me up how bad the sea serpent looked? It, it, it was scary. It was scary. He yeah. had like a silly, goofy face and was not scary, which was what made him so lovely. Yeah. Um, but baking in the Encino sun, he, he became quite scary. And, and Snow White, that just showed... When she went into storage, she did not look like that. But when we pulled her out, her melted face was so beautiful. And I, I may get Snow White back. I think that's important for me. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. One of the upshots of making a movie was I was, somebody reached out to me like a fan and said, I, I saw your movie and could you get me an autograph of Stacy? And it was Kevin Feige who, from Marvel. What? No, 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 no. Yes. You can't be serious. My home movie elicited a, <laughs> would you please get me an autograph? <laughs> Yes. Anyway, Stacy will be Black Widow coming this summer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one can only dream. Yes. <laughs> what? It is funny sometimes, like if I would go to auditions or, you know, something and someone would be like, hey, just spent a week with you. Had a great time. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. like, inescapable. I because the second you turn off the TV and turn it back on, it resets. Oh, yeah. You are more prevalent at Disney World than Mickey Mouse. Yeah. And more important, I might say. One of the highlights of my life was going to Disney World with you. <laughs> oh, for the Orlando Film Festival. That was fun. Yes. We're on Disney property with the actual Stacy, And I did an experiment to see if people <laughs> would recognize her walking around. And we're waiting to get on the monorail. And no one's noticing. And so I just say, and you're going to be shocked, I said loudly, oh, my God, it's Stacy from the top 10 attractions. All of a sudden, <laughs> it was a swarm of people surrounding her. Um, among the comments I heard, and you probably hear this a lot, Stacy, it's women going, oh, my husband loves watching you. I have to say, all the water park stuff, I tried on like 20 different tankinis because it was like, all the wardrobe had to strike a balance of not being too much and not being too little. And, you know, you want people to leave the room and you don't want anybody to be too focused on you. So I did a massive wardrobe. There was always massive wardrobe fittings for, for all the, sh for the initial show and any updates because they have to like make sure it's just Family right. The line we quoted the most is Summit, Summit Plummet. Was that scripted or was that you? Summit Plummet. That yeah. was, Summit Plummet was scripted. But with your hand motions? Um, that was, I believe, an ad lib. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. You know, I'm a dancer. I like to put the physicality. Yeah. But there was, and then, you know, the uh, look at all the lazy people in the lazy river. That was always a popular one. And, um. And of course, the water-powered wedgies are free with admission. That's no longer in there, but that was a fun one. Wow, the times they are changing. Yeah, I had never done Summit Plummet, and I, you know, I love the thrill rides. You know, I'm not, and and it, and what the interesting part is when I went to the audition for this, this job and the callback, they asked me if I had piercings other than my ears or tattoos, but never asked 
Are you, do you get motion sickness? Do you want to ride roller coasters? Yeah, about their Never asked that, which I thought was kind of weird. I was like, okay. But anyway, because I, you know, I think in the past, some people were like, I don't want to do this. But I was like, I'm game. I'll do it. But Summit Plummet, I have to say, is the most intense, like, five seconds of your life. And when you get down at the bottom, I remember, well, first at the top, I remember sitting there thinking and the little sweet little guy was sitting there waiting to open the lever and shoot me down the, and I, I, and I said, okay, and I'm waiting for like the seatbelt and the helmet and all this. And I'm like, where? And he goes, no, no, just cross your arms and just cross your feet and just, you know, just lie back. And I'm like, really? Okay. And I remember getting down and I, and I, and literally the, the water powered wedgies thing is not an overstatement. I remember being like, <coughs> Oh, and I remember being like trying to like skillfully, you know, remove my tankini bottom from my bottom before I stood up uh, because it was pretty intense. But if you've never done it, it's, I've had people say, I, I had to do it because my family's like, Stacy said you have to do it. And they said it was thrillingly terrifying. And your first time on it was on camera? Yeah. And I did it like three times in a row. We had to do it three <laughs> times. Okay, I have to ask, if you are in a Disney hotel room, you kind of like, you have to turn on the TV to be like, they're still playing it, right? Like you have to kind of watch yourself just to confirm. I always watch it because I watch it a few times because I need to match. I want to see what's still in. And because I want to, because every time I go, it's like, I'm just picking up where I left off. Where I left off, Richard, I left off. So I, I like to see and match because it's not like I can show up and be like, yeah, this is super fun. You should do it, whatever. But yeah, I always I always watch it to make sure that I'm still me doing the right tone and stuff. I consider the original stuff the classics. I know, I love the Top 7. Yes, uh, so good. And the, uh, have you ever had to pretend to be interested in an attraction you truly did not enjoy? Not really. Um, I will say the golf, shot off the tee yep that was the first take and the director said he's like listen you don't need to he's like you golf and i and, and at the callback he's looking at my resume he's like oh you golf and i'm like yeah i said i wouldn't put it on there and he's like do you he's like well i golf i said well, i legitimately do golf so um he's like okay anyway so we get to that part and i'm teed up ready to go he's like listen you know you can just do don't worry about it you know and i said do you want it over the water he goes, well, yeah, but don't worry about it. I said, are we rolling? You want it over the water. Okay. <laughs> Ding! The tea flies. And I was like, did you want another one? A safety? <laughs> I love how rich these memories of these videos are. Like, I thought we all remembered every detail because we're always in those rooms. But it, I'm shocked that you remember it, too. Is there, like, one memory of shooting the different Disney series that you're like, this was the best moment of my Disney hosting life? Oh, man. I mean, there really is so, so many. Uh, doing, doing the water stuff was really fun because there was, an un, there was a different camera operator for that. And he had a camera. And I remember, like, I would be flying down something and we would collide. And, you know, I'd have, like, bruises and, like, trying to – like, it was always a fun challenge the next day. Like, how can we cover the bruises and the blisters? My, still, my, probably my favorite stuff is when we shoot before the parks are open. And especially when we're in Magic Kingdom and the sun is just starting to come up and you're standing in front of the castle 
and it's just you and it's so quiet and you just literally you hear you just hear all the the spirits and the angels and you know it's just like it's that's always my favorite when we're there and it's kind of chilly and I'm just standing there waiting for them to set up the shot and I'm just like and the castle that I love that that never gets old at Disneyland you think oh at night there's no one there there's hundreds of people Oh, that's the when the real here. magic happens. Yeah, yeah like, it's, like you, you've got, it's you know, 50 gardeners, bricklayers, we're doing bricks, you've got cleaner. It's like, there's never not hundreds of people. Yeah, I mean, what they do is incredible. And they're so quiet. Like, nobody's going, hey, would you bring me? They're, it's like, they're just like scurrying around doing their thing. And nobody's making a sound. It's really that the whole world underneath the world and around the world that, that that's like you there's like a presence that you don't see that's incredible i mean they're rock stars in my opinion when we're filming i ride things two three four five times in a row because we have to get different shots and angles and and so if i ever have gone just as a normal human it's like what i only get to do it one time that's yeah. it it's like spoiled pretty quickly you know it's really you know it's really like i love just being able to loop Rock and Roller Coaster starring Aerosmith. Are you kidding me? Oh, by the way. I know you were the host. That's such a host thing. Don't just call it the Rock and Roller Coaster. Call it the Rock and Roller Coaster hosted by Aerosmith. Starring Aerosmith. Starring Aerosmith. Excuse me. This is why she's our queen. Everything that I do is, I have no ear prompter, no teleprompter. So it's either memorized or if they want ad-libs, it's ad-libbed. And it's word perfect. Great writers. They, and, and as the years have gone on, they've kind of learned my voice and they, so like a lot of stuff, you know, flat out awesome and all those things kind of feel natural for me. So one, this, and then, and some of the directors have changed. There's been different directors and a couple different producers. So we're in the, the Winnebago getting ready to go to the next location and, you know, we're getting set up and, and one of the producers came in and said, oh, we've got the teleprompter guy coming in. You know, he wants to just check the speed and the font. And I'm like, what? For what? Like even the green screen stuff. It was like the crane that all that, that shot was all, you know, without teleprompter. I'm like, teleprompter, what do we do? Like, what, what for, like for me? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, I didn't know all this time I could have had a teleprompter. <laughs> and I was like, well, I don't want to put somebody out of a job, but I don't, need or want one because first of all it adds weight to the camera and the poor guy is carrying this camera and he's like super tall and i'm super not tall so the whole week you know he's like this you know try even with four inch wedges i'm still like you know half a person so he's you know and i'm like i can't do that to him and you know i'm twirling and doing my thing that it's like if i don't have it in my cells like i don't want to be like trying to find my words on a screen so i said well you know if it's okay with you i'm gonna like pass and they were like they were actually very relieved and plus just for me as, as a competitive person like that competitive spirit like I can't now like be like oh yeah I'm gonna phone it in and do prompters I'm like no I started without a prompter and I'm finishing however long my reign lasts I'm not gonna use a prompter so but it was so funny I was like well no one ever told me in nine years oh I could have had a prompter Stacy when you're on a roller coaster who is next to you? Is that an actor? Is it a guest that they found? Who are those people? Uh, they are 
hand picked there there's a whole department that get, picks the extras so those are people that are um hand picked by their casting uh so they have they're not just random guests so because some rides especially like they have a lipstick camera that they mount it's about this long that it mounts to wherever i'm sitting and so i that's what i'm talking into um when um, we're filming and then there's cameras that they mount at different places in the structure of the ride at times if it needs to be so that's um that's already done ahead of time and then those people are always so fun and sometimes it's families or just kids or whatever and they bring them but those are people that are placed anyone who's walking behind me or beside me or sitting anywhere those are people that are cast by disney but what's funny is there's like a young girl who was on test track with me she was so sweet and people kept saying, like, we, she was a the cute little brunette, and she had, like, uh, like braids in her hair, and, and she, like, we looked like we could have been cousins or something. And she was, like, a teenager, a young teenager, and she recently, like, messaged me and was like, remember me? And now, you know, she's, like, in her 20s. It's pretty cool. Aww. Whoa. Pretty cool. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's really neat, like, when I've, I've met people with that literally when they, when we were walking through the park, like, we don't have specific signings or anything but sometimes people will ask and you know I'll pull over and sign their little book or something and some people I've like you know held their baby who's now like starting high school you know so it's kind of wild to see like people that they've had these cool milestones in their life whether it's just getting engaged or married or having kids or um you know I just I still feel incredibly honored and grateful to be a part of truly like people's happiest times of their life like I'm I'm very happy about that so you know, I mean, this was supposed to last for a year, and here we are in 2020. So, um, I, however long it goes, I just enjoy the ride. Before we get into the calls for this week, I do want to mention we are getting so many good calls. So if you don't hear yours now, it will probably be used in the next few weeks just because we have a lot of Epcot World Showcase takes to cover. I wish I could play all the voicemails I got about this, but sadly, uh, I'm not going to make you guys basically sit through an hour-long history class lecture. So what I will say is that when it comes to International Gateway, I know a lot of people were stressed about this. I had a lot of people reach out this week. I think you are allowed to go either left or right. No worries. You're not entering right from the front of Epcot. It's different. It's not as heated. Granted, if you enter through International Gateway into World Showcase and you turn left to start your loop, uh, I I don't know what to do with you. But generally speaking, you're going left for Epcot stuff, right for World Showcase stuff. And I feel like either way, you really can't go wrong. Now, with that, let's get to the rest of the calls. Hey, Carly. This is Kathy calling from Evansville, Indiana. I just listened to the latest Hidden Mickey episode and wanted to comment on how I am apparently living my life incorrectly. And we always go right whenever we are in Epcot. We are Canada people first. We like to start off with our poutine very first. And then um, we make our way all the way around to Mexico. And then we always get a, a margarita at Mexico as we make our way to the exit of the park all the way in the front. I will see you later, and I hope you have a great day. Oh, Kathy, Kathy, Kathy. No, 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 no. You are so sweet, and yet you are so wrong. 
I mentioned last week that I do I do want to know if you're a turn right at World Showcase kind of person because I want to know how your brain works. And people have come out of the woodwork to tell me this, including some of my own friends. My friend Deanne Revel, a Disney reporter, is someone who turns right. And I gotta say, of every single person who has proudly said that they turn right, no one has a good reason for why they do it. There is no valid excuse. Someone even tweeted at me that they have a friend who turns left to go to Mexico, then goes to Canada, then doubles back around the World Showcase. Okay? None of this makes sense. Kathy, I love you, but a margarita on the way out? Perhaps a revolutionary take on the World Showcase beverage, but one that deeply confuses me. Everyone knows poutine is a drunken person food, and you start with it? That's why there's so much stuff on it. That's why it's so wet, because you're not supposed to be paying attention to the fact that you're eating french fries covered in gravy. Cheese fries? Timeless food. One of my absolute favorites. Cheese curds? Fantastic. Big Wisconsin fan. Grew up eating them. But when you put them together, the cheese is supposed to melt, not sit on top like a little hat. It's quite literally a food intended to soak up alcohol, not set the tone for a day at Epcot. Honey, no. Left turns only, Kath. Left turns only. Hi, Carly. This is Savannah. Um, I've called before, and actually I misspelled churros and couldn't get here. Um, but I was extremely smart this time and just clicked right on that beautiful phone number that you left in your um, notes of the podcast. Um, so for the real reason I'm here, I'm calling to just let you know that I feel personally attacked that you said that there's only one way to go to the World Showcase, and that is starting in Mexico. No! I've always gone to Canada. My mom started that. I've done that since I was a kid. And the reason why is Canada is boring and So if you start with what's boring and and you end in this beautiful temple of whatever the Mexico is, this Mayan beautiful thing with a margarita and taco, great. And then you can walk back and hit the left side of the things, which are a thousand times better than anything you could end with in Canada. That's all I have to say. Everyone who starts in Mexico is wrong, and you probably eat the least favorite food first, or the, the, your most favorite food first and end with the least favorite. Whatever. I'm out. I, I'm, I'm, like, rambling. I can't even think because I feel so attacked. All right. Have a good day. Bye. <laughs> okay. I, I appreciate your energy. I love you meeting me in my level and taking this very personally. And I will hand it to you. This is perhaps the only argument I will honor is that you you love Mexico so much that you turn right to honor Mexico. That, I think, is the only argument I will take besides the aforementioned ones. If you're going to La Cellier, if you're going to Starbucks, something like that. This one works for me. This one works for me because we're coming from the same place. We're coming from a place of love and adoration for the Mexico Pavilion. And I just choose to blow it right out the gate and just get my Mexico fill straight away. And you like to ramp up to it because you know it's the best part of the world showcase. So you know what? I'm with you. I will give you this one. Thank you for your call. Hi, Carly. My name is Ted. Uh, I really enjoy your discussion with Chris from TDR Explorer about Duffy and Friends. I was just wondering, I know so little about them. But how does Tippy Blue fit into the whole equation? Uh, I thought he was one of the characters uh, of the Duffy and Friends. Uh, thanks so much. Really enjoying the podcast. Bye. 
Okay, I tried to spare you all from tippy blue discourse, but apparently (laughs) it's just going to happen. So tippy blue is a a seagull who was friends with Duffy at the beginning. Duffy has since made new friends, as we discussed last week. But he is a mailman, which I find very sus because all I've ever seen a seagull do is eat people's entire lunches at the beach. So TBD if he can hold down a government job. But regardless, TB Blue does have a presence in the parks at a very mediocre restaurant at Tokyo Disney Sea, where if you buy a meal, you can sit at a table and watch a live stage show of Duffy and Friends. Yes, I made my husband do this in December and he was not thrilled. We had, uh, I think, a sad chicken sandwich and some chicken nuggets. We got through. But basically, Tippy Blue is a character within that show. But beyond that, he's kind of done. There's not really merch for him. He's not really seen as one of the core friends. Just imagine if like Clarabelle was one of Mickey's best friends and then she just kind of got cast aside as more people came in. Kind of the way where you go to high school and then you go to college and any of those fringe friends just go within the first year. It's like that. Tippy Blue is a high school friend who he had science lab with. And once he got to college, he met a lot cooler people except for Olu, as discussed last week. So yeah, that's the Tippy Blue scenario. He's just not really there because he doesn't have much of a presence in Duffy's life any longer. Sadly, maybe not sadly, but either way, uh, I'm just here for Gelatoni. Hi, Carly, listener, former WDI employee, but actually I'm calling about nothing related to Disney. I'm looking for bagel suggestions in Skokie, North Chicago. I figured you might have some insight as to this. So would love if you find an opportunity to share this, uh, and I'll probably call in with some Disney stuff in the future. Thanks. <laughs> I love this call so much. I thought it was a friend of mine trolling me, and it's not, so I am genuinely going to answer this for you. So, okay, my family and I used to always go to The Bagel, which was at Old Orchard in Skokie, but The Bagel closed, which is heartbreaking, and I can't even think about it, so... My number two is now my official number one, which is Once Upon a Bagel. It's in Highland Park. They have one in that downtown Glencoe area, and they have a killer salt bagel, which if you know me, I am absolutely obsessed with salt bagels. Um, No one shares this obsession more than Jeff's Bagel Run, who is... I a low-key bagel dealer in Orlando. I guess that's the best way to describe him. You've probably seen uh, people post that they got his stuff on Instagram because it's very, very hard to get a bagel drop from Jeff, but he appreciates the salt bagel and that's why we love him. I will also call out Kaufman's, which is also in Skokie. It is where my brother and I send my parents locks boxes, which is a phrase I have never heard anybody under the age of 75 say out loud, but it's basically like before we had Grubhub and and all these food delivery services, you would send someone a care package that was a, it's called a lox box. And it's basically (laughs) bagels and cream cheese and smoked fish and uh, white fish salad and things like that. So yeah, Kaufman's is legit. Once Upon a Bagel is my fave. And then if you want a sit down kind of bagel lunch, it's a place we usually take our grandparents. It's Max and Benny's. It's it's real good. Once Upon a Bagel has my heart. It's pretty chaotic in there. I don't know what it's like now in COVID times, but it always has like a New York deli feel because everyone is very anxious about getting their bagels. And I kind of love that energy. But if you want like a sit down meal with waiter service in an ideal time, I mean, don't eat indoors now. Uh, we know how aerosols work. But in an ideal time, Max and Benny's is your spot. Hope that helps. 
Hi, Carly. This is Kat Wysak, and I just got to say I love your podcast. It is incredibly entertaining, delightful, and insightful. I commute over an hour to work every day, and listening to the podcast makes me feel like I'm taking a mini vacation until I end up at work disappointed by my destination. Anyway, I got to know, why do you hate peel top cheese so much? I love it. I'm comforted by the fact that it's waiting for me at Run Disney finish lines in their snack boxes. And I may or may not have accidentally bought two cases of it during quarantine. Oops. But I just got to know, is it more of a preference for the plastic cheese or do you really hate peel top? Thanks. Thank you for this call. I did not expect to step in such hot water straight out the gate with the podcast. But uh, I have been very public about my feelings about Disney's pull top cheese. Now, if you're new to this debate, there is a... (laughs) There's a strong contingency of people on both sides. One side are the fans of the cheese that they sell within the Disney parks with Mickey pretzels. It looks like a little cup. It's a little plastic cup and it has a little peel. You peel off a little piece of plastic and you dunk your pretzel in what is basically edible Play-Doh. Now, I personally love nacho cheese sauce, just like a glistening orange yellow liquid, the type that just makes you feel like you are in a theme park. You are maybe eating nachos. You're maybe dipping fries in it. You're maybe just chugging the cup because you missed it so much. That is what I'm here for. Now, my friend Brooke McDonald, a fellow Disney reporter, loves peel top cheese and loves to rub it in my face because I think it's an affront to humans. I think it's a a terrible food. It's never warm enough. It's always like gluey. You know what I mean? You have to stick that pretzel in there so hard it doesn't come out. So I'm very, very against it. Now, I'm realizing that because this is tied to run Disney, A lot of people love it because it probably is like something you run miles for looking forward to. But personally, I just love liquid gold. I love plastic cheese. It is my all-time favorite food. I know that is embarrassing to admit, so I hope you will stay with me. But it's not that easy to find at Disney World. So to me, I'm not willing to step my preferences down and eat that little plastic cup unless I am in dire need and absolutely need food. So to me, it's like, oh, uh, like I would rather eat like a vegetable and then I'd rather eat nothing. And then just under that, I'm like, well, I guess I'll have the cup of plastic cheese. So it's it's a preference, but it's also a deep hatred because it is a rude imposter and we deserve boiling hot plastic cheese. Granted, it makes sense why that is not just free flowing anymore at a theme park where children are. But you know what? Give me that hot plastic goo because that's all I ever want. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection. Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection. Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. 
Shop now at hannahanderson.com. That's our show. Thank you all for listening. And thank you so much to Nikki Craft, Richard Craft, and the one and only Stacey J. Aswad for being on today's show. You can find Stacey in your Disney World hotel rooms, duh, but she also hosts an excellent web show about her extensive career in voiceover acting. It's called VO Buzz Weekly, and it's so fascinating. I highly recommend checking it out on YouTube, its website and free app, or listen to it audio only like a podcast on Apple, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, or anywhere else you get a podcast. You can also find out more about Stacy, including her National Roller Skating Championships, because she has five, on her website at stacyjaswan.com. And don't forget, Stacy is spelled S-T-A-C-E-Y, just so you don't end up on another famed voice actress's website who maybe has three or four roller skating championships. I do, again, want to thank everyone who called 747 Churros. I listen to every message that comes into my inbox, and it brings me so much joy. So please keep calling. Thank you also to everyone who listened, everyone who's left behind a hilarious review or a five-star rating on Apple Podcast, or simply just subscribed, because when you subscribe, you get your episodes earlier than the lay people who don't. Now, if you haven't been following me on Twitter and Instagram, which is where I spend my entire day, so please come join the party, you may not have seen that Very Amusing is currently neck and neck on the podcast charts with Rick Steves, the beloved global travel expert who really knows how to pull off a scarf. This perfect, absolutely sweet man must be destroyed. So if you can go to Apple Podcasts and hit subscribe, leave me a pen pal letter in the reviews section, or just stream on any provider you prefer, it all keeps that beautiful jet-setting genius of a man in my wake. Just kidding. I love him. But I'm coming for you, Rick Steves. I'm coming for you! I guess I have to thank my mother. I don't know. She just keeps calling. She just keeps calling. I never intended to have her be part of the outro of every episode of Very Amusing, but the woman birthed me, and I feel like the least I can do is play her calls, especially when they're actually pretty relevant. It's not her telling me updates about my grandmothers. It's truly theme park related. So thanks, Mom, for working for free like all mothers do. I'm glad to have a format that is strictly audio because whenever I take a photo of us at Disney World, you turn it into a pillow and you have enough pillows. You can't do anything else with this audio. So this is all you get. I love you and thank you for whatever you're about to say. You can find me, Carly Wiesel, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I'll leave a link to that group I mentioned earlier in the show notes so you can come party with us. Very Amusing is edited perfectly by Jeff Fox. Thanks so much for listening. See you real soon. Okay, I cannot believe this, honey. So it's mom. So I'm listening to your podcast. And listening to Paul talk about Pleasure Island, and all of a sudden you're saying, God, I wish I was able to go in that time. Oh, my God, your dad and I were there a few times. Grandma would babysit for you and Steve, and Dad and I took off to Pleasure Island, and it started like 12 o'clock at night. They did a they did a New Year's fireworks and bands playing. It was crazy disco. Yeah, I cannot believe we were there. I'm so excited. So I'm going to get back to the show right now, and I'll talk to you later. I love you. Bye.